On today's Hunt Harvest Health podcast, we chat with our good friend, Stephen Don. Stephen is an avid bow hunter, a train-to-hunt competitor, personal trainer extraordinaire, and one of the most inspirational people Ryan and I know. Ryan first met Stephen at the Nevada Train to Hunt Regionals in 2016, and since then, he's been on the top of our list to interview for this podcast. When we thought of folks we wanted to talk with, we envisioned those who were authentic, motivated, healthy, and added a positive vibe to the backcountry hunting movement. It's hard in today's world to find people who make you want to strive for greatness, who lift you up and sincerely listen. Stephen Don has all of those qualities and more. We love Stephen Don, and after today's podcast, we know you will too. Okay, howdy folks, and welcome back to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast with your hosts, Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And today, um, we're pretty fortunate to have a guest on who I've come to know during this past year. Um, I've watched this guy compete in uh, several of the Train to Hunt qualifier events, um, as well as the Nationals event uh, held in Salt Lake City, Utah this year. I met Steve and Don. Uh, actually, I went down to Nevada this year, and uh, and I kind of a backstory. I, I showed up down there by myself. I'd driven down to Nevada, and uh, you know I had never done a Train to Hunt event. Pulled into the parking lot, kind of drive, drove up this dirt road into this little, uh, just picturesque valley and, um, saw, you know, some guys out there shooting and they're setting up the course and this and that. And, you know, I was a little kind of one of those guys that just likes to sit back and kind of watch the show. So I kind of just sat in my truck and watched these guys moving around. I noticed right away there was a few individuals that stood out. Steven was one of them. Trevor was one of them. Uh, Trevor Nystra. Um, some guys, you know, Scott Carr was there. I had heard of, you know, the incredible Scott Carr. Uh, I believe Steven was partnered up with Trevor, uh, Lane Walter, and also, uh, I think it was Dave Veronio, I believe. And George uh, Fuji. George Fuji. George Fuji. Yeah. And man, I, I, at one point, I got to kind of just watch him shoot a couple of the, of the three Ds. And it's like, man, these guys are impressive. I don't, I don't even know why I'm here. You know, these guys, <laughs> they got like, you know, what I call shirt shooters. They, they're out there and they just like look like professional shooters and um not figured, man, it, this is intimidating. And uh especially when you uh see a guy like Steven. Pretty intimidating, dude. Um but you know, I got to know him a little bit there. Also I uh I ran into him up at the Oregon qualifier and um you know watched him uh destroy that that course as well. And and also, like I said, we, we got to hang out over at the Nevada or the, uh, the Utah Nationals. And, uh, you know, every time I, I've gotten to talk to Steven, um, I'm always super impressed by how just absolutely motivating this guy is. Um, you know, I, I kind of look forward to following your, your Instagram every day. I kind of get a daily dose of motivation through, uh, through Steven. Um, always got great quotes on there, you know, just kind of inspirational things and what he's doing. Um, Really fun guy to follow. So with that, um, Stephen, how you doing? Pretty good, buddy. How are you guys? Great. Hi, Stephen. Great. Hi, Hillary. Um, so I guess to start things off, you know, maybe uh, maybe we could just do a little bit of background. Um, you know, where you come from, where you're at now, um, how you kind of got into hunting and training, and and what you do. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for all those kind words to start. Um, 
you know, you don't you, you go into those scenarios and you, you think, uh, man, only the only the good ones are here. So we were probably thinking the same thing about this guy that showed up out of nowhere and put it on everybody. Um, <clears throat> you know what? I I grew up in Michigan, um, the nice tropical side of the country, and uh, <laughs> cold winters, long cold winters. Um, yeah, I've heard. Yeah. I've never been there, but yeah. <laughs> Imagine cold and then add a couple layers to that, and that's what you've got in Michigan. And beautiful summers, you know, we had a uh, – we grew up way out in the country, way out in the country. I mean, I had over an hour bus ride one way, you know, with the clearest of roads. So, you know, it was – I had a great childhood growing up. You know, we were that generation, you know, that wasn't too late to still go out and play in the dirt. You know, we made yeah. our own toys and – and we got dirty and we ate dirt and we broke fingers, you know, and all this fun stuff. And, um, you know, so when I was seven or eight, um, my dad had three or four bows hanging in our basement, you know, and I used to play with them and try to pick them up. They're so heavy and pull on them. And, you know, I'd watch him and my uncle and my cousins shoot. And I thought, man, that would be super fun to do. And so, uh, you know, he tuned down one of these bows when I was young and mm-hmm. I started pulling it, pulling it and practicing it. And, uh, Football season got in the way. (laughs) And so then I got really excited about football season. And then, you know, a year or two of that built my strength. And all of a sudden, I'm pulling this compound bow back. And it was probably 45 or 50 pounds. And And how old were you? I was was a big kid, right? Yeah. (laughs) I was probably nine. Wow. So, you know, I started shooting archery. One of his friends, I'm a left-hander too. So, you know, you're talking to... In the 80s, uh, finding a left-handed bow wasn't probably the easiest thing to do. One of my dad's friends um, was getting out of hunting, and he was a left-hander, and he had this old pro line, and you know you couldn't you couldn't crank it down far enough for me to pull it, and so that was part of the deal. And one day I just happened to pull it. My dad says, "Let's go get you some arrows. You know, let's get you shooting." And um, you know, fast forward a couple years, 12 years old back in the day was uh, you know the the legal hunting age ton archery so i went out and you know michigan doesn't have quite the topography i live in southern oregon now it doesn't have quite the topography in the rolling hills and stuff but there's a little bit of land to cover and uh that's when i realized hunting is hard <laughs> it takes some some exercise and some fitness and, absolutely uh, that's what got it started you know so started that been hunting whitetails my whole life out of a tree stand you know layering up you couldn't walk a mile in the gear because it's so cold sure. but uh you know, you stay you stay warm sitting in a in a tree stand. So that kind of got it all started. So how long were you in Michigan? When did you move uh, away from that and, and come? Yeah. Back? So when I was twenty three, um, out of high school, I started playing semi pro football. I was uh, played football my whole life and raced motorcycles. And there was a point where I grew a little bit too fast, and these dirt bikes would really take off with the smaller guys, you know, that were my age. But I kind of I kind of grew out of it, you know. And uh, I played football my whole life and bow hunted my whole life. And it was a perfect mixture of seasons. And um, when I was 23, I actually moved to Florida. And the plan was to um, try out and play some arena football down there. And uh, long story short, it kind of fell through. And I got into um, a couple of small businesses and launched my first fitness training company. And, uh, you know, it's from the, it's history from there, I guess you might say. So I was 23 when I left Michigan. Point through, yeah. 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 So, and you moved down. Now you're in southern Southern Oregon, or Southern Oregon, yeah, in Ashland. Okay. 
did you get right into hunting or is it something that, you know, you would just never quit doing uh, year to year straight from Michigan here to, to hunting or was yeah, it? That's great. Great question, actually. So when I moved to Florida, you know, I was 23. Goal was athletics. And I, I noticed down there, there wasn't a lot that I felt <laughs> compelled to hunt. The deer are really small. There's pigs everywhere. Um, right. But uh, I don't know. I just, I wasn't super inspired. I love all my Floridian friends and everything that they do. Um, I was never really a big saltwater fisherman, mm-hmm. you know, so I have always been an athlete and I decided to stick with the fitness and do that whole thing. So there was about a nine year gap where I didn't really hunt at all. Um, And I felt like there's this huge gap in my life, this huge hole. And the idea of moving out to the Pacific Northwest was amazing. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. You know, nine years. Wow. I I couldn't imagine. (laughs) Could you imagine? So, you know, that was enough of that. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, you know, like, when you, I guess, Southern Oregon Ash, and what do you guys have down there? You guys hunt blacktails, or you hunt mule deer, or what? What have you spent your time hunting the most besides whitetail in Michigan? Um, you know, we have lots and lots and lots of blacktails down here. Okay. As you get over towards like the Klamath Falls area, um, and slightly north of that, you start getting some mule deer integrated in. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, some of the some of the boys are even saying that there's a mule deer blacktail hybrid that's starting to run around. We've got a pretty decent amount of elk down here, even mm-hmm. though you get what I guess Scott Carr nailed it. <laughs> you gotta say you gotta say two names on podcasts is what I found out the last two months. Ryan Lampers and Scott <laughs> Carr. So I'm just gonna get that out of the way. Uh, get my claim to fame. <laughs> Scott Carr says the Keystone crew, right? The truck hunters. And so right. if you can get out of way, which you're obviously as educated as anybody on that, you get out of way from those guys. There's some, some decent elk, lots and lots of black bear, big, big black bear, um, lots of cougars. So, you know, there's plenty of stuff, lots of turkeys, big fat turkeys as well. So, and we're, you know, we're pretty much firing up the season on all of them right now. Black bears open, um, turkey just open, waterfowl, you know, Saturday morning is, uh, Late season blacktail archery. So, you know. Right. Now, I talked to you the other day. I think you were uh, either hanging a tree stand or getting ready to head to a tree stand. Or um, Yeah. I was, yep, I was grabbing some tree steps from, from an older tree stand that we put up for a buddy who had never, he'd never really hunted in a tree stand. And so we put probably 10 too many tree steps in there, you know, to make him feel comfortable. And uh, so I went and pulled four or five and, you know, that's when, you and I were chatting, but yeah, I was stealing steps from one stand to take two. The big reasons, yeah. Gotcha. You know, one of the questions I really wanted to kind of pick your brain on is, uh, you know, like I said in the intro, we, you know, I, every time I, you know, I hear people talk about you or I see you through social media, um, you've always got these great quotes. Um, I don't know how you how you become so motivating or inspirational, but it, I'm always I'm always reading your stuff and, and come away with a smile on my face. So, <laughs> so I guess, I guess I'd like to know, like what, what's motivating you to, uh, to be kind of in this new age of, you know, hunter athlete, you know, what, what motivates you to train so hard? And is it, is this a lifestyle for you? Man? Whew, great question. Um, I think that, uh, well, let's, so I'm 36 years old. Right. I've been an athlete my entire life and every season athlete. Now I'm like, what do 36 year olds do? 
<laughs> Went through that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle, man. It's a, um, I have played really, really hard my entire life since the time I was a kid. You know, I was warned to take care of my body uh, more on the, not really the nutrition side as much. You know, I didn't really have that much guidance until I was a late teenage or something like that with that, but more like, Hey, you should stop jumping out of those trees. Stop riding those dirt bikes. You know, these broken arms and legs and, you know, knee surgery and stuff, that stuff's going to catch up with you. And I'm like, whatever, you guys have never been old. You don't know what you're talking about, you know, or you've never been young, excuse me. You don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, fast forward 16 years, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's that lifestyle. It's that I need to keep myself active because my joints feel better that way. You know, I think that kind of, kind of getting back to your question of motivation, it's just one of those um, you know, I tell a lot of my clients, I have a lot of, I have a lot of clients. I'm very fortunate to have a successful fitness training business. And my clients, one, are all interviewed. I interview every single one of my clients and about 30% of them I work with. Because at the end of the day, it's about all of us having a stress-free day. Like the only way that I can make an income is when I show up, right? Which is great. So I want to make sure that if I'm at the gym for yesterday was like 11 hours, right? I have 11 hours of clients who post-election, so I gave everybody five words. You have five political words. Everything after that per word is 10 burpees. There wasn't one burpee performed yesterday. It was. It worked out perfect. I mean, did you take a class? Did you have a mentor? Is there somebody who who helped you get this way? You know, kind of the mindset that you have? Because there's we, we want to take that class. We want to get motivated. <laughs> yeah. It's a fail a lot. <laughs> okay, well, that's actually a really good. Um, everybody fails who's successful. Yeah, sure. right. Yeah. You know, and I think that if you're afraid of failing, you're never going to achieve any of your goals. You know, and so I think that for me, I and I think that I share a lot of this with with my clients because we have all these commonalities, which is what's brought us together anyway. You know, um, we're all willing to throw that caution to the wind in a in a responsible manner, sometimes responsible manner, right? And I think when you get something back from that, and I train probably 95% women for several reasons, and I'll, I'll get to that. But I think that when you, when you put yourself out there and you achieve something as a guy, we want instant feedback. We want instant gratification. It's in our DNA, right? So I can go out and shoot my bow and I can be like, I, that was good or bad. I can go run and, and I can pound a pill. I love to put weight in my pack and pound up a mountain. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's a sicko thing. You've got it. Most of these people that listen to you have it, you know. And when I get that feedback, it feels good. Um, it's just one of those things that it's it's like it's it's the same as maybe a long day of training my clients. I, I even tell them sometimes I get more out of this than you're going to. I go home with a full heart and knowing that I've helped you do something that maybe we we couldn't do a week ago, or you know, we I make all of my clients do monthly fit tests. Right, ninety five percent of them look forward to them. Other five, you know, because <laughs> they're tough. They test your fitness. You've got an hour to get this large amount of dynamic movements done, and you can look forward to it next month. And there's always improvement. And so that feedback keeps me going. You know, it keeps me. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, <clears throat> one thing, you know, uh, when I did go down to Nevada, um, kind of like I said, I went there not knowing what to expect. Um, I just wanted to get through it. Uh, I didn't know anybody. I the only guy I did actually know was uh, I did know Kent. I I met Kent in, in the backcountry years and years ago, 
Uh, but we hadn't talked for a while. And, uh, so it was good to catch up with him. But, you know, through, through all that, you know, after the 3D shoot and the, uh, you know, the meat pack and the challenge, what I took away from that event, I think, you know, Hill said it before when I got back, I was so pumped up that, um, I was super motivated because if I'd have done that by myself, you know, I've done a lot of, you know, real meat packs, I guess, where you're packing in a lot of weight or packing out a lot of weight. Um, but man, with, with all the other guys that were down there that were kind of sharing and, and all that and just, uh, you know, like boosting everybody up, you know, picking everybody up when they're just as, as tired as you could get. Um, that made me want to come back and do it more. You know, I wouldn't have got that if I would have been by myself solo. Whereas I had guys like you and Trevor and Dave and, uh, these guys that were just like, you know, encouraging me to do it and, and finish strong and leave it all out there. Um, yeah. Saying that several times, just leave it all on that hill. And, you know, when you get done with it and you get to sit around, um, with other folks that have done the same thing and you're, you're beat down, dog tired and, um, you know, that, whatever it is, it, it is super motivating to just keep wanting to do more of that. Um, yeah. It definitely hooked me. And, uh, you know, I, from there, I, I just wanted to do them every weekend after that. <laughs> right. That would have never happened if, uh, uh, I wouldn't have met, uh, you know, the guys that I did at that event and had that kind of encouragement. The reason that we're doing this podcast is pretty much we have all of it to owe to, to, to train and hunt because, Ryan's pretty internal dude. Uh, I think like a lot of hunter kind of solitude guys are. I mean, he wants to be in the backwoods and he wants to be alone. It's right. how he is. He has a handful of friends and, you know, he's very selective really about who he shares himself with. So, um, boy, he came back from training It's like, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Who, who like abducted my like introverted, quiet, shy husband? I I think you're more of an extrovert, and yeah. just by the way you are. What Train to Hunt did was it kind of brought a lot of guys together that could eat off of each other and then teach each other kind of these these really important things when it comes to life. And I feel really happy that Ryan was exposed to you guys and that he could understand that he had a lot to offer as well as a lot to learn from people who are more extroverted. I don't know if I could, I mean, that was perfect. There's this big conglomeration of personalities and, and introverts, extroverts, that whole deal. And, and yeah, we definitely do take, I mean, I could tell you those three or four people that we've talked about alone, not even some of the ladies who I'm terrified that I would never want to compete against some of those. Uh -huh. But at the same time, Hillary, I think you're right. I think that there's something we, we go to train hunt, we drink the punch, you know, you, you, you see amazing people like you guys and like everyone else that's been mentioned and all those that haven't been mentioned. And you're like, man, I can't wait to see those people again. You know, I can't wait to feed off their energy and to get, you know, social media is so much. It's the same thing. It's like, man, I see this amazing meal or this super amazing um, powdered kale. And I'm like, gosh, I just want to rub my face in that. You know, like, that's what I want to do. I want that Believe stuff. Believe me, we practically do the kale. <laughs> throw it up in the air and stand under it, you know? So um, <laughs> it's a great community. I get so much feedback and so much love. And, you know, I've, I this morning I was making a little video for a guy that I met Um through trained on about what my shot sequence, what do I do? And I'm, you know, trying to make the video as nice as I can for him so he can understand it, you know? 
it's it's great. It's a great community, and we learn so much from each other. Yeah. What you know, I see guys like you, and what 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 are the secrets for you um, when it comes to your training? I know you train a lot of people. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Trevor. Um, what do you do different in your training of folks that aren't going to be going in the backcountry? They they're not involved with hunting or put a pack on. Is that training any different uh, when you're training, you know, guys that don't do that versus guys that that's kind of the main reason why they train? I don't work with anybody that's fresh off the couch. That's one of my things. You don't have to be a pro athlete, but you have to be, I'm, I like to call myself a get it back specialist. So um, Hillary, you were a horse, you showed horses or you race horses. You did something with a horse and you fell and broke both of your legs at, at you know, in your real formative years and you get into your late teenage years and you're scared of that so you don't do it anymore and then you know you meet ryan and he's for me it was mountain bikes okay mountain bikes perfect mine were dirt bikes Down for a, uh, mountain <laughs> yeah sure so you you get tore up and then it's like you know i'm done with that i might get into the corporate world or i might get i might get married or have children or start a family or something there's all these things <clears throat> that can get in the way of moving your body in a functional matter right so you realize that you meet some crazy person like me who won't let you slow down. And, and, and then you figure out, you know, what it is you want to do. What are you training for? There's, I, I see it two ways. There's a workout. You can work out or you can train. I train. Um, I train every day. It doesn't mean that I'm working out. It doesn't mean that I'm lifting weights, but I train. You know, like today, I want to work on some different shot sequences. Um, so just training, training is more specific, I guess. Yes. Training, right. Training specificity is how I live my life. Functional. What is it that you want to do? Um, I'd get a husband that wants to be a better slalom skier. Okay, perfect. I know exactly what we need to do to make you the best slalom skier that you can be. I can't make you ski better, but I can make your body react to, respond to, stronger to, your stamina, that kind of stuff. And then maybe his wife wants to be, wants to go mountain bike riding with Hillary. You know, and so then we figure out what's the best course of action for that. And those might be two different things, but we might be able to train 80% of that together. So I can mix those people into a group. We can do one on one. I can, you know, there's so many different options for me. You know, I grew up once I was too big to race dirt bikes anymore. I started grappling and getting into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and as a form of self defense, as a form of flexibility and as a form of fitness. And so I would trained specifically for grappling, you know, and now it's all I want to do is put 60 or 70 pounds in my pack and hike as far as I possibly can. You know what I mean? As long as I can find water to purify. So I train for that. You know, I don't do big, crazy, heavy sets on my legs because I need the stamina. So I'm get on a spin bike. And, you know, it's specifically to what you're doing. And I will admit that when it comes to about <laughs> April or May, a lot of my clients, I like to work out with different groups of my clients and pretty much all of them at one point within every two weeks. And they get suckered into this, you know, <laughs> really tough backwoods style wilderness athlete training, you know. Um, so some of them do get pulled into it just because that's the deal because <laughs> it's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, but really, you know, if you're if you're training someone to go, a lot of people want to be fit for show, right? I want to look good for summertime or, you know, I tell all of my ladies, admit it or not, most of us have a mirror in our bathroom. We do that pre and post or one of the two shower checkout where everything's where it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> or, or it's not. 
And if it's not, then we should talk about that, you know? Um, and so we kind of, we kind of have these ideas of what healthy is to us or fit is to us, or, you know, gosh, that could go off to three hours of a podcast. But really what it is for me is I train to go. The byproduct of that is you've aesthetically pleasing physique, right? So I'm not real big. I don't do a bunch of bicep curls and stuff. You know, I pick up heavy sandbags if I'm around. I do the stuff that you do as well to train. Because when I go out there and I shoot a, a bull and he's 800 pounds, you know, and I don't have any help, I yeah. better have some stamina. I better have some food, right? And, and, I, and I better have that will and determination to know that I'm going to recover and I'm going to be able to go back for that second load or whatever it is. So very specific to what they're doing. The functional, functional, you know, yeah. so fun. high force hunters. That, yep. That right. complete sense. You know, I, I can't tell you how many guys, um, you know, just say like a simple hike. I've met guys that are phenomenal uh, bikers, uh, bicycle riders, mountain bikers. And uh, and what I've noticed is, you know, you, you might take them on a you know, just a short five, six mile hike and uh, and they're they're in phenomenal shape. You look at them and they're they're giant quads and they're just shredded from biking. And they have a real hard time with a simple hike with some weight on their back. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, like you always hear, you know, uh, when you're when you're out hunting, it's really hard to replicate um, without actually doing what we do out there, which is like you say, and like you train for is hike with weight. Um, yeah. You know, if you don't train specifically for that, it seems like you're going to pay the consequences. If you're just in there riding the, you're riding the bike or the Stairmaster, you know, whatever you do in the gym. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, especially with the big game out here in these Western States, you know, we've got topography, we've got big game and they're going to use that elevation to their, to their advantage. We, you know, we stand on two legs. They've got four wheel drive. They can absolutely, you've seen elk run up hills that you're like, there's no way I'm going up that hill. There's no way. There's yeah. no way. How do they run up that hill so fast? You know, so I'm thinking, how can I be more like an elk? <laughs> you know, they have big, strong parts where they need them. And they're lean in parts where they need to be lean, you know, and they're monstrous animals. So, yeah, it's it's all about. There's a lot of, um, there's kind of a movement even in, um, like, natural medicine circles about about how we've kind of become a society of people who are not functionally moving at all through our day. We are sitting in chairs, we're sitting in cars, we're sitting on couches, we're right. we're not moving enough. And obviously in the health realm, we know that we're seeing that in, in our in our culture, um, not just in the States, but all over the world in sedentary cultures. But a lot of it is that we're not really functionally moving anymore like we used to. You know, we're not chopping wood and carrying water anymore. Like basically they're saying, don't even have a couch in your house. Don't have chairs in your house. You know, sleep on a bed that's on the floor so that you get used to squatting down and standing up right. and using yeah. body weight and not easily putting putting yourself on something that's supporting your weight, which stops right. the functional movement of your joints. You become really aware of it, especially when you live, you know, we live north of Seattle. Um, Ryan does a lot of driving, uh, you know, commuting, all that kind of stuff. And you really realize that when you sit for long periods of time, that's really, it's one of the most exhausting things you can do to your body. It is. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there's, I've, I've got, I, I'm very fortunate to have trained some pretty, I don't know how I got so fortunate, but some pretty outstanding human beings. Um, you know, one being kind of the head of functional medicine, a gentleman named David Jones, Dr. David Jones, who is, I mean, wow. 
leagues and leagues ahead, you know. So he, I get to pick his brain. Um, you know, I've got uh, <laughs> this gentleman named Stanley Mazur, who and two other gentlemen invented the very first microprocessor for Intel in the 60s, right? So I've got these crazy, brilliant minds that are on both sides of this whole thing. And one knows everything scientific, and the other one knows everything because he's literally traveled the world sharing medicine with everybody. So you get all these different perspectives and, um, yeah, you know, the sitting disease, we like to call it. Mm-hmm. You've got that disease, that sitting disease, you know, it's time to get up. And there's so much of, of life nowadays. Um, I, I like that you brought up the fact that there's kind of this lack of necessity or necessary responsibilities, right? Hillary, mm-hmm. you don't have to cut your wood for a fire anymore. You know, you don't have to go out and not as many people have chickens and livestock anymore. So you don't have to get up at four in the morning and feed and water everything, break the ice. And, you know, you don't have to do all those things. And uh, it's easier. You can do some kind of, you know, monthly EFT and someone will come and do it for you. And But we're not that far genetically away. From, right. Right. So we need that functional movement. We need yeah. to. We actually, I think, mentally and emotionally need a bit of stress to build neural pathways so that we understand hardship and that that also can develop a mindset, you know? Sure, absolutely. And I know for Ryan, when he does some of this crazy stuff he does, what he loves that, he loves the most from it, is that he's he's building stamina of his mind. And it's really all mindset when it comes down to it. You know, you have to be a good athlete. You have to really shoot well. You have to... Yep. But uh, you have to have this really strong mindset. And, you know, this chop wood, carry water thing, it actually kind of does that for you. You go to the gym, run on a treadmill or whatever, and you are done. You go sit in your car and you don't do anything again for three days. You know, Yeah. And I think that's why Stevens, uh, your your program is is, uh, probably so much more beneficial. You you look at a lot of people. You know, a lot of people just go to the gym, you know, religiously. They may go five days a week, seven days. They go there and they, they wonder why they're not, they just kind of go through motions. I've noticed, um, with some people, um, they're not target specific on what they want to change. Whereas like with your program, you, you have a goal. Um, what do you want to get out of it? What do you want to be at the end of it? Um, it's target specific. So they focus on certain things and, um, and you know, I just noticed a lot of people when they don't do that, um, They'll just kind of go through the same program, the same uh, movements, the same half an hour on the treadmill. And, and uh, you know, I, I just don't notice a whole lot of improvement. Um, uh, whereas with, you know, program like you've got where you're there to push them, uh, you're there to be a little more specific. Um, I think that's definitely a lot, a lot better way to go. Um, yeah. I'm very transparent with all of my clients and, you know, I, I let them know, <clears throat> like I said, I have very, very diverse clientele, very diverse. We, we all have to have three things in common, right? To work together. You have to be driven, compassionate, and mischievous. Now you don't, you don't have to always have those three aspects of your life showing at the time, but somewhere in there when you're suffering, you know, you can, you can let me know how you feel about me or you can tell me a joke or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's, we'll leave the let you know how you feel about me at that. I mean, you guys can use your imagination. Um, the most important thing that I think that I like to, uh, that I take pride in is I don't allow my clients, my friends, my people, whatever it is to, to give up. 
there's got to be a reason to give up. Um, I've been in the woods and I broke my ankle horribly. Cool. I probably can't go too much farther, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to reach out to a friend. I'm going to try to do what I can. I'm going to belly crawl until I get help, whatever it is, right? Like there's, there's always a way. There's always a way. And all of my ladies are the, the same way. I mean, I have some of the gnarliest. <laughs> so why do you treat mainly women? I mean, why, I'm sorry, not treat, um, Dr. Lingo. What, why do you train mainly women? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I had a very heavy uh, female influence growing up, you know, and I think that it has opened my mind to a little more of the listen, even though I talk a lot, right? And I'm excited and I'm always hyper, like I've, you know, been eating candy all day. Um, I think that the, there's several things that really set that whole dynamic apart. One, um, you know, when I first start to, started to train, I realized I was just a therapist. <laughs> you know, I'm going to move you around while you complain about whoever it is in your life, you know, and those were my clients and they wanted to talk and hear what I had to say. And they wanted to, you know, and then I realized that, um, I had this core group of women that didn't have an illustrious life growing up. They didn't have a great childhood. They'd seen some hardships that I'd never experienced. And yet they're still showing up. They're still pushing hard. They may not have the right shoes or some goofy outfit. They don't care. They come into the gym to let go of stress. And I ask everyone to show up from the neck down. You make decisions all day long, whether you're a mom, a wife, a husband, a boss, an owner, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're driving the bus full of crazy kids all day long for a profession. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you got to be able to burn that stress hormone, right? Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, I don't have a PhD, so maybe we can talk to to Hillary about this. But I think um, I'm pretty sure exercise is one of the only ways to scientifically burn stress hormone. You know, yeah. Know. So a lot of people run around in what we call oversympathetic mode, and you probably realize that. And stress hormones are like epinephrine, cortisol; those are all yep. secreted in high amounts under. Uh, especially high sympathetic stress, which most of us are doing now and we're like just driving in traffic. So, yep, exercise, especially cardiovascular exercise, is the fastest way, even just 15 minutes, I believe. Yeah. Getting your heart rate up will burn off enough cortisol and epinephrine to decrease the damage that it's going to do to your brain. See, I told you we would get an answer to that. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there you go. But you're right. It is. It's, it's yeah. really true. And that's why people exercise and they yeah. feel better. The world you know, is so and I, horrible. I see, right. And, I, you know, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Fellas, whoever's listening, whoever, uh, let's just admit it. Women are tougher than we are. Women are tougher than we are. Once you gain the trust of a woman, especially in a coaching style scenario as a leader role, they will go to the edge of the earth for you. Their ability to push through discomfort and pain. And as long as they trust you, and if you can't get somebody's trust, then that's a whole different talk show, right? But the, the object of the game is figure out and listen what my clients need. It might just be, husband's been a jerk this week. Great. So I'm going to shut my mouth and listen and move them at a pace where they can vent to me as they need. And I can just listen. I don't have to try to fix anything. And I see that a lot of my clients, a lot of my friends may not have that just listening thing. So us as men, we try to fix everything, right? A Jesus complex or whatever you want to call it. Um, I learned probably not young enough, 
I've been yelled at far too many Ryan. Okay, well, Ryan, this lesson is for you, my friend. Sometimes just shut up and listen. Don't try to fix. Don't offer advice. Don't try to, you know. So I get to offer that for for a lot of people. Man, that's hard to do that. Isn't that hard? I mean, that's so hard for me to do. I I think as (laughs) men, we're like, oh, I mean, when you you get told a problem, your brain just starts churning and you're like, man, I want to fix this. I I think this or I could say this. Yeah. It's just just like training your body. You have to train your mind to listen, to, to really open your mind and to listen, and especially to take constructive criticism. Right. Because we're all guilty. Nobody wants to hear that they are wrong. And I think like this election process, you're seeing that hugely. There's so much finger pointing going on on both sides. Everybody's mad, angry, upset. And, you know, to wholly, wholeheartedly open up and listen to somebody on the other side and to just yeah. put yourself in their position for just even five minutes and just listen. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them or you even have to say anything. But right. that is a learned skill. And that's really, all. I mean, Ryan and I have been married 20 years next year. <laughs> and that's a learned skill if you want to stay married, men know. and women. But especially men. Yeah, listen up, man. Especially men who like to leave for weeks at a time <laughs> and be somewhere where I can't get a hold of you. It sounds so simple, you know, just sit there and listen. And- you know, gosh. yeah. It just when it when it happens and you get that conversation, and it, as a guy, I just revert to how can I fix this? What can I say to make you this call better? Steven on the phone. I guess I'm gonna have to. What do I do? He's got it figured out, obviously. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, growing up, I would listen to my mom on these endless phone calls where her friends would have a problem, and she was she was the person they called, and she would listen. She wouldn't talk that much, and I was always like, "How are you helping anybody by just being so quiet?" She goes, "Because they don't have anyone to listen to them." You know, mm. and so, and it's, it's very gender specific. I mean, how many times around have you been like, God, I just have these problems this whole week. Hiller just won't listen to me. <laughs> it doesn't happen. That's not how it works. No. You know, most of the time. So, no. and if it happens to me, I force conversation on that person until they break. Right. Perfect scenario. <laughs> You're going to talk to me. No. Um, you know, the, the most important thing for me is to, to, to give a product that's safe. Um, it's a place where you can come and be vulnerable. You know, you're the head of a huge multi-billion dollar corporation and you're, you're under the microscope for everything that you do. Except for when you go see Steven and he makes you do deadlifts and wall balls and running laps and all this kind of stuff. And if you've, and if you have to vent a little bit, then vent, you know, if you need to be told no, I'm the first person to tell you no, you know, um, which is another thing that I find with training all these ladies is a lot of them haven't been told no before, <laughs> especially if they've got a little bit of power in their, you know, in their working position or whatever. And that is therapy in itself. No, you know, so is it, are you, are you training mostly uh, at a, like a corporate level, like business, business folk? And, you know, is that, super, is that mainly your clientele? Or? It's super diverse. It's just that, the, like I said, I don't know what it is about the Rogue Valley or Ashland specific. I think it's just so, quiet and it's so much slower there's only 20,000 people here when you know Southern Oregon University isn't in its swing and it's also the the Shakespeare capital of the world so it brings in these people a lot of intellectual intellectual people yeah you know and so even though my my clientele doesn't shift very much I have people for the long haul I mean I've got pretty much all the same clients I've had for the four and a half five years I've lived here 
with some add-ons, you know, but I'm not actively searching new clients. Like I have this awesome group of people that make me happy. I work happily ever after every day. And it's, it's motivating. I don't mind waking up at 4.30, 5.30 in the morning because my crazy clients want to train at six or seven or whatever. There's first, there's a competition for space, right? These people have big jobs and stuff to do throughout the day. And so, cool, man, let's get it done. Let's burn this off first thing in the morning and, uh, and get you started. So. Do you do you work nutrition into your program at all? Do you talk to people about nutrition or what? What are your thoughts on <laughs> what do you do? You so prescribe bad. kale powder. <laughs> yeah, right. Eat kale <laughs> and sweet potatoes. Kill your meat and eat, eat your kale. Right. Grow your kale. Time yeah. harvest. If you're not killing it, then you're going hungry. Okay. Um, you know that's a really great question. And so <clears throat> here's something I'm sure Hillary is an absolute expert on. So I'm going to bounce this idea off of you because this is what I do. Um, I take, let's just say one of my clients, Angel, my longest running client, one of my most gnarly clients. When you talk about Stephen Don or stephendon.com or any of my fitness, anything, they say, any of these fit tests, well, what did Angel do? You know, she's kind of like, she's, she's my, she's the trevor of my fitness clients, right? She's gnarly. Mm -hmm. um, she didn't grow up with a, in a healthy environment. She didn't grow up eating good things. She wasn't active, nothing. You know, I met her in a gym four years ago, stumbling over some equipment. And she told me she was into dog agility. I said, cool, let me see a video of your dogs, you know, and their dogs are out running. Her. I'm like, oh my God, I think I can help you, you know? And four years later, you know, she'll smoke most of the guys in any of our obstacle course stuff. She can do, you know, 15 or 20 bodyweight pull-ups. She's super functional, you know, and it's because she wanted it, you know? So for, for me, um, I couldn't talk about that's changing so many habits just to come to the gym. Right. So what I talk about with my clients when I interview them, because they all ask, what should I eat? What should I, you know, and they've got this, this is my makeshift notepad. They've got this notepad and where do I, how much water and, you know, macros and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, holy crap, you haven't even made it to the gym yet. Like you haven't even, you haven't even come hiking with me yet. Like we don't even, you know, what's going to have to happen, which most people don't take into consideration is the 10 to 40 habits you're going to have to change just to come to the gym twice this week. Because let's say you have two kids and you're married and your wife or husband has a job that starts at seven. Okay. You've got three hours from nine to noon or whatever, where it's your time and that's about it. Well, great. So you've got to get the kids ready. You've got this, you've got that. You've got driving around. You've got all the domestic stuff. How, how often do you get clothes ready? Do you make a snack? Do you eat at a certain time during the day? And then drive a whole different route to come and see me during an hour that you're not used to spending. That's a ton of different habits that you're going to have to change, right? Mm -hmm. So then I say, cool, start doing something you haven't been doing, making healthy choices with your fitness, nothing to do with nutrition. Show up at this time, twice a week, minimum of twice a week. I don't let anybody train less than twice a week because I've built a waste of your time, right? Mm -hmm. Show up a minimum of twice a week. Show up 10 minutes early so you're warmed up. So that way we get 60 minutes. We don't get 50 minutes or 45 minutes. Show up, get going. Now, after two months of that, three months of that, depending on the individual, let's talk about what kind of food you're eating. Because now you've proven that you can make these habitual changes that are pretty big deal for some people, but they're the tiniest little tip of the iceberg, which Hillary, you know, just exercising isn't going to do it. But if I say, no, Here's a hundred nutritional things. Just throw that in your pack, right? And that's about 6,000 pounds worth of stress and drama 
So what I've found in, you know, forever that I've been doing this is the retention rate of come and work out and change all of your dietary is, is zero. I mean, it's zero. It's, it's zero. I don't follow a perfect diet all the time. It's what I do for a living. You know what I mean? Well, and I think what I hear Steven saying is, um, you know, baby steps. You know, when you, when you see a new right. client, you, they come in and, and you get them into the training and, you know, it's a, it's a lot to, to take on is the entire diet. Um, you know, it's intimidating for somebody who hasn't kind of made it a lifestyle or they're just getting into it. It is intimidating. And it does, like you say, people are limited with their time. Um, and you know, I, every time I, I sit down and I, I meal prep for the week or this or that, it, I'm always, I always surprise myself at how long it takes. I mean, it's a time consuming. It can be a whole weekend. Ryan will spend a whole weekend making and dehydrating food for one trip. Yeah. We well, even just it's, making healthy meals, you know, or it's making just, a healthy it's dinner. It's just not as easy as, as, uh, you know, throwing something quick out of a box on the, you know, in the oven. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of time. And like, like, like you were saying, the folks you deal with, you know, they're, they might be a little pressed for time. And, um, yeah, totally. Exercise is, is number one. And well, studies show two, that people so. who exercise actually live longer than people who eat healthy and don't exercise. Too, you got to think about the caliber. Like, what caliber do they? Right. You're you're obviously in phenomenal shape, and your caliber is set really high. And somebody who's, let's say, a figure competitor or bodybuilder, you know, um, I did bikini competitions, a couple of those. Those are hard work. Like you, they are. You, your caliber has to be set fairly high, and 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 you need a lot of support. So much with a lot of people and, and why they pay a trainer. Um, you know, the truth is I know a lot of stuff. I don't need a trainer. I, I know what to do. I think paying a trainer, you, you're held accountable to somebody. And at yeah. the same time, somebody is supporting you to make those changes. If you don't have a spouse or a partner or um, people in your life, they don't support you in giving you the time to go do that or to, you're just not going to do it or you're not going to do it as effectively or you're going to end up in a fight. And right. who, who wants to go burn off stress hormone <laughs> and have a fight because they want to go get healthy and I know. support from their, their other half. <laughs> yeah, shoot, man. I mean, that's, you know, and that's why I'm drawn to people like you guys. Just. You know, fun, happy, just in love with life. I mean, that's my thing is I'm in love with life. I love to be inspired and I surround myself with people that inspire me. And I try to do my best to inspire the folks that may not have that. And like you touched on this, one of the most important things, Hillary, is if, especially if, you know, if, if you're a single man, single woman, whatever, and you don't have that person supporting you at home, that's one thing. But if you do have someone at home and they're not, they're not conceding to eating well or they're not exercising or they don't give you support. I mean, it's really difficult. It's so difficult. And I see that and I see the struggle. And so sometimes, you know, I, and it's not always successful. It's maybe a 50 or 60% thing, but try to get that spouse or that partner or that husband, wife or whatever it is to come in and see what you do, you know? And lately I've had a lot of daughters and sons that are going back to college and they're, they're going to go do their parents' little workout one time. And they, they end up, you know, visiting the trash can a couple of times because mom and dad are fit you know, and they are moving. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I want to eat a little bit healthier. I want to go to bed a little bit earlier. I want to, you know, 
So it really, I, you nailed it, Hillary. It takes the tribe, man. It takes a whole village and you can't do it on your own. So, so do you have anything that you have for, that you can do for people that aren't in Ashland? Do you have a clientele of people who aren't local? Do you do training programs? Yeah, yeah I, well, I, I get it. I get the motivation out of them. And I've been oh no. Just, like this is awesome. Everybody, you should listen to this podcast while you work out and get motivated. But, All right. I gotta do and, is, is thumb through my Instagram and I, Every day, I think I see two quotes from Stephen Don, and uh, they're always good, and they're always, you know, something mm-hmm. I, I look forward to every day. Well, yeah, thanks, and I, I try not to ever look any up, right? I try to, like, go, my brain is always going, so I'm like, who really wants to hear that? You know what? I'm going to give a shot. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants Sometimes to I wonder, I'm like, man, did you, did you come up that and stuff? <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's funny that you asked that, because just... The past six months, I've been hounded by several people who are really into subscription-based whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And none of them are trainers or anything, but they're like, dude, you should be doing some kind of big subscription base for all the people. I've got people in Michigan and Florida and Colorado and whatever, and several of them, I'm just kind of like satellite training. You know, I'm not charging them, um, but that has nothing to do with the rest of you. So, just <laughs> <laughs> um, you and Courtney definitely should do something. I've watched Courtney's stuff, and we definitely want to talk to Courtney in the future. I don't know that they get any help. Yeah, I yeah. You know what? I've chased that woman through. Like, obviously, I've chased her a little bit, but I've chased her through the mountain and gone. Are you kidding me? Slow <laughs> yeah. down. She came down, so we did some scouting last weekend, and so I brought her in to meet a lot of my clients, and we did this big group workout, and everyone's like, "Don't, don't bring her back." Yeah, they're like this. I don't want to see her. We she's are just too good. She's too strong. She's too yeah. nice. Please stop. We've stop literally never her. seen the front side of her because she's always running ahead of us. We have no idea what she That's looks true. like, you know. So, um, actually, no, when know. I first saw Courtney at uh, Oregon Train to Hunt, I mean, I I'm not doing the competition, folks. I'm babysitting, so I've got a baby on my hip. But it's pouring rain. That Oregon one was, was like a mud pit. We were camping in a tent with two kids, two kids, and it was like a mud bath. <laughs> Right, it's like you should do a train to hunt. I'm like, yeah, yeah maybe I'll do that. Me and me time. and Kara Frazier are like at the playground with our kids. Go, <laughs> oh yeah, we can totally do a train to hunt. And then here comes Courtney, and we're like, yeah, no, we can't do a train to hunt. We'll yeah. never. I mean, she's like, she's like watching some Greek goddess like step off a ship, <laughs> and you're like the conquered, you know, people. You're like, we're screwed. We're she's, done. We yeah. give up. We surrender. Yeah. You know, she's done and seen it all. She's an absolute vast machine of knowledge. And um, so, yeah, I probably should check in to see if she's beat me for steps today, too, because, of course, she's turned that into a competition. <laughs> that's but, awesome. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's great. I bought us those watches. I don't yeah. think I've won one in a while. She's like, she'll she'll be like, I'm, I'm, you know, because I renewed my watch. It was all broken. She's like, I'm going to beat you in steps every day. And I'm like, no, you're not. And the first three days she smoked me. And I was like, yeah. well, <laughs> I better get this on. So, yeah. I said, I'll I won't even get words in a text. It's just a picture of her watch when she thinks she's got me. So, yeah. Uh, and and I, I remember you mentioning, you know, how tough women are. and You know, they're super competitive. That's the other thing. They're tough. They're competitive. Um, it's been awesome watching them through you know, these challenges that we've been involved with. But, uh, you know, Courtney's obviously tough as nails. My wife, Hillary, she – it's funny. I've, I've been hiking with guys who, you know, they'll, they'll get a little blistered on the back of their heel and they just turn into babies but he'll she'll get blisters which would knock me down and she'll just keep hiking 
you know, you, you'll hear about yeah. it, but it just keeps on going and, you know, she'll finish it out. Well, sometimes My you don't gosh. have a choice when you're married to Stealthy Hunter. <laughs> so here's something. You want to get know. out of the very dire situation, backcountry that you're in, you have to hike. That's right. Splinters. You know, splinters and blisters. <laughs> and that, you know, to that note of women's toughness, most people don't know this, but uh, two weeks before, three weeks before um, nationals, Courtney and I were running at a very, very, very high rate of speed, and we she fell and possibly broke a couple ribs. Um, for sure, separated three of them. Um, two oh, or three. I, she competed nationals with that. Beautiful. Didn't tell anybody. She couldn't breathe. She couldn't run. She couldn't put a pack on for three weeks, you know, and was like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? And I ended up actually twisting my ankle really badly the same day. And I thought, you're, we're obviously not good for each other. You know, we keep eating, eating it. So, um, yeah, you know, I had to suck it up because my ankle was really, really bad, but I'm like, you can't even breathe, you know, then she goes and wins the national championship. So I'm like, wow. I can never complain again, you know? Yeah. So just reaffirms women are tough, man, and they're never to be counted out. And uh, yeah, don't push you for sure. No, yeah. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, you're a hunter. What? Yep. <clears throat> what's your favorite hunting story to date? Think back um, of all those trips out in the mountains. Um, huh? Successful, not successful. Um, what's your? What's been your favorite trip? I was out on a, this is easy. I was out on a solo hunt, I think two years ago, and I am way back. I'm in, I'm in Lampers land. <laughs> I'm way back in Ryan Lampers world. And, um, that's a good place to be way back. It's a great place to be, man. That's where all my stress hormone goes. So I'm in this, uh, I'm, it's bow hunting, right? Cause I'm a bow hunter and I'm in this, in an old growth area where it was, there's these little plots of clear cut. And there's an old growth stump that had been burnt. And I'm talking, I'm six and a half foot tall, 225 pounds-ish, something like that. I take up some space, right? I have wide shoulders. And I could dance on the inside of this burnt out, hollowed out log, right? And it's probably five foot tall, maybe. And so there was these little burnt sections, like shooting lanes, where I'm like in, the, in a castle tower, right? So I could just, it's super stealthy. So in there, I'm in there forever, right? Yeah, stealthy and Lampers Land. I tried to work both. Of <laughs> so <laughs> none of this stuff happens on accident, folks. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm in there and I'm in there forever. And uh, you know, I'm kind of getting antsy, and I just want to move a little bit. It's the dead of the day. It's hot. There's no way there's deer elk around, and I'm gonna just leave my bow in the in the the hollowed out stump or whatever and just crawl out oh i've got a ghillie suit on that's the other thing i had to walk along this really long exposed um area and um so i put i threw a ghillie suit on covered in leaves and branches and stuff so i look like a moving basically a, a weed right or a bush and so i crawl out of this it's not graceful at all i crawl up and out of this stump and um i take two big steps and i hear russell 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 well, there was these two does laying right next to me, and I can see a monster buck up on the ridge. That's going to come down to these does, right? And I'm like, right. yes, it'll be my my first Oregon successful hunting trip. <laughs> so I get out, totally forget about my bow because there's this big old stud up there, and so I'm I'm knelt down, right? I'm left handed, 
I knelt down on one knee and my foot was what well, my foot was bent like you would if you had boots on, right? You kneel down and that, that front part of your toes are kind of bent. So these does jump up and they run straight over to me. They run straight to me. I have no idea why. So I'm stuck there, half knelt down in like a lunging position. Because you're like a big, a big bush. Right? right. 47 minutes. Oof. I'm stuck in that position as that buck That's is hard on you. Down. My feet are on fire. They're on fire. I feel like there's a blow. Do you have your bow in your hand? I don't have my bow. I don't even have my bow. I'm like, I'm going to throw a rock at this deer. (laughs) I know. What are you going to (laughs) do? So I'm stuck there. And um, somewhere I've even got the video. I'm there so long. And I'm able to pull my phone out of two layers of ghillie suit, get a video of these deer walking right over and putting their faces right next to me. To where I'm trying to almost hold my breath because I don't want to spook up. This buck's coming closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. I can't feel my legs. I've been in this spot now 52 minutes, right? And I'm going, oh my gosh, I won't be able to walk the eight or nine miles out of here anyway, right? Because my legs are going to be destroyed. So this deer comes over, this doe, the, the smaller of the two leaves. This other deer comes over. And when she turns, she bumps into me. And she turns around and she looks at me like, <laughs> so much sass i wanted to smack her right on the butt what's wrong with you you know so they walk off and they lay down in front of me and i'm stuck there till dark oh my god i'm stuck outside of my spot no water no you know and the buck the buck never came down to- <laughs> the buck never came down ah, so yeah like dehydrated i'm tired my laser's totally cramped <laughs> but i was like hey my sense covered those animals never saw me, so it was my own little successful. Yeah, you must have exactly. smelled like horrible or something. <laughs> I smelled pretty funky. Yeah, it was it was bad. <laughs> not to, to be bumping into you. That's yeah. like a good one. Wow. Yeah. I thought cool. you were going to say that they started feeding on your gilly. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the only thing that was left. I felt their breath on me. I mean, they were so close. They wanted to wow. see what I was. And at one point, the doe's in front of me going like this. Just that. I mean, you've seen them do that a hundred times trying to figure out what you are. Yeah. And I'm trying not to laugh. I'm trying not to sneeze or do anything I could do. My legs are cramped. So, yeah. Wow. It was it was crazy. It was the most uncomfortable and the funniest thing that I can remember. Because I'm like, what a hunter. I don't even have a weapon in my hand. Yeah. yeah. I'm literally being swarmed. What would have been worse is uh, no weapon and that buck comes down. And then- oh, man. I guess I'm a knife thrower all of a sudden. I don't know. <laughs> You'd have been there all night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, if you just stay right there, I'll be right back. I'm just going to yeah, go right. get my buck. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. That's cool. Good story. Um, what? I've got a few questions just to kind of wrap this up. I, yeah. I want to ask this of everybody. Um, Fire away. One of them is uh, what? It's kind of a weird question. But. Perfect. If you had to tell people about yourself, what is Stephen Don's? What's your superpower? What What do you feel like you're the best at? What's your What's your thing? I think my superpower is um, shooting down objections. Meaning that perfect example. One of my dear dear friends and clients, a gentleman, came in today and um, heavily affected by the election for a lot of reasons I won't get into, but has a personal connection. And heavily affected, uh, not going to work, very successful businessman, very, very um, intelligent human being, a dual uh, master's. He has a PhD, incredible human being. And he's like bedridden. I mean, he's 
hurting badly over this whole thing. And kind of my thing is, is go, okay, like I'm going to dedicate this 80% of our conversation to listening to you and saying, okay, look, I appreciate your concerns. Um, let's talk about this. Why it's affecting you? Why is, why is this the reaction you're choosing to have? And why are you receiving this the way that you're choosing to receive it? Because there's certain things that we can and can't control. Like you can control whether you are coming to see me or not, right? What you can't control is maybe the people that might cut you off in traffic or maybe this whole election thing or whatever. You had a little bit of part of that, but now that the, the, the outcome is what it is, you can only control two things, how you experience it and how you react to it, right? We can't control others. And so one of my favorite things to do is maybe talk you off the ledge, right? Just get you to go open your mind a little bit. So I guess my superpower, if, if that's what it is, is to go, Look, I appreciate how you're feeling. I appreciate what you're going through. Let's take a different look. Like being able to see these struggles that people have um, from a different perspective outside of my own emotion. I don't know what kind of ride they had from home or work to come see me. I don't know what's happened with their family. It could be great. It could be bad. But my initial reaction can't be based on my emotional response to them. It's like I have to listen to them, right? right? And then every time that I do that, I feel like I gain these tiny little skills of understanding what that person needs. Well, hey man, this morning, Graham, he just needed to be heard. You know, he needed to be, he's a big, strong man. Okay. He's a big boy. And, and sometimes, you know, everybody, superheroes need to, need to just be heard. And it's, and it's, you know, a, a vulnerable time. And I think that my power is to just say, Hey, look, I'm here for you. I can listen to you and maybe offer you just a little bit of insight on why you're feeling this way. And maybe we can change your response to it, you know, and now go, go do some, some, some jumping jacks or something, you know, <laughs> burn that up. Definitely. So, converting the so, bad to the good is what I try to do. That's, if that's my superpower, then that's my superpower. Awesome. Superpower. Well, on the flip side of that, um, what would be your weakness? What would be something that you feel like you need to work on? Or you need to do? <laughs> Saying no to ice cream. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're being honest here. I have an ice cream problem. Erica no. has an ice cream problem. Okay. You heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> my weakness, honestly, I think that... Working ice cream to the interview. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to say Ryan Lampers, you got to say Scott Carr, you got to say ice cream. So. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think that maybe it is... Um, I do have a lot of compassion for my clients and a lot of compassion for people. And I think that maybe my weakness is um, not putting an end to that when it needs to be. Not having better boundaries. Not having better boundaries. That's right. Yeah. So, right. Absolutely. That's hard when you care for people, though, when you're in a job where you are being empathetic all day. Right. Um, And if you're an empath by nature, you tend to have very open boundaries. Which means yeah. you're very affected. Other people feel great when they leave you, and you maybe don't feel as good. So that's yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. you have to develop that over time based on how much you can handle being an empath. You know, a lot of people aren't empaths, so it's easy for them to create really strong boundaries. But. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I need to be able to de- to absorb a lot of that, and I need to have that same amount of healthy deflection. You know, I need to make sure that I don't take everyone else's. I try to pull it out of them, but sometimes I need to just shove it aside, you know, rather than put it in my pack and take it home with me. 
Okay, last. What question. else you got? What else you got, buddy? These are good. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I I know you've done a lot in your life. You know, you've been you've been to a lot of places. You've done a lot of challenges. Um, you know, everything from the training to jujitsu, uh, train to hunt. What in your life are you most grateful for? Um, what I guess yeah, one asks is like, yeah. Cool. Let me make this as short as possible. <laughs> I know. For people like you, this is like a really big question. Oh, this is like, I, know. Know. <laughs> I need another 45 minutes. Some of my clients, part of their homework is to, to, to bring that. It's like, I want you to write down, you know, five things, not 20, because then you start watering it down. Five things you're super grateful for. You know, if it's someone that I see having a hard time or whatever. What I'm grateful for, number one, is unconditional friendships with my friends. I, You guys know I love people. I love my friends. I love putting effort into uplifting my friends. And I, I feel a lot of that love back. And I never have done that and in, in hoping for like a reciprocity. You know, I've always, it feels good for me. It feels good, even if it's just a text message that no one will ever know about. For someone to reach out and say, like if one of my friends that, um, you know, I moved away from in Florida, just picks the phone up and calls and says, you know, what, man, I just want to call and talk to you and check in. That makes my whole day. Like that person is thinking about me. It doesn't have to be about me, but thinking about our friendship, right? But it's like when I drop little notes, you know, to you guys, Ryan, you're like my hero, man, blah, 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 kind of deal. It makes me feel good to let that person know you're doing awesome stuff in life and you're inspiring me. And I want to tell you, you know, and I want to do that in person. I don't really, or, you know, via this mechanism here, or, a, you know, maybe not just a text, but a call or a voice message or whatever. Um, and I think that that comes from like when you were saying earlier, traveling, I've been very fortunate to travel a lot of the world. And I have seen, you know, <laughs> there's first world problems here where we're at, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's third world problems in a lot of the rest of the world. And, you know, I'm grateful that I don't have to wash my clothes in a, in a, in a runoff ditch. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that I don't have to carry whatever it is that I've worked all night long to produce to hopefully sell to tourists. You know, I'm grateful that I don't have to walk. You know, I've, I've spent a month in Peru um, a year ago riding motorcycles all through. And so I got to see all these amazing people that live in the Andes that it's like, Hey, if you go up to, um, you know, this certain lake, you can catch fish out of this lake, but it's seven miles one way. You better get going first thing in the morning, you know, and you're at 12,000 feet of elevation. So I'm thankful that I have so much at the at my grasp, but I'm also super thankful for the people that I've been lucky enough to surround myself with and all the love that I get from them. So I like to share like this kind of stuff. You know, when when Ryan reached out to me, he's like, hey, man, you know, Hillary and I are doing something super cool. I'm like, immediately I'm in. I don't care what it is. You know, I'm super grateful to to get you guys' input and to give my input and to run my mouth for however long it is. And if I can touch one person or help one person or maybe open their mind to something, you know, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, that's what I'm thankful for is that, you know, that community and, and the ability to realize that we've got it really good, you know? So. Well, the world is small nowadays, right? Like you can reach many people now through something like this that we couldn't, that, that maybe don't even understand the lifestyle or don't know us or, but you can actually in so many ways touch people all over the world that just want that motivation and you can get that now. So yeah, that's what's I think really cool about this day and age that um, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm grateful for super authentic, amazing people like you guys. You know, I get inspiration from that and I get, I driven from it and then I can, you know, force it on everybody else. <laughs> I mean, force it. It's force. Well, if that's what we're going to force on people, I guess it's not the worst thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like good authenticity. You got it, but- man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was looking forward to this. I mean, you know, Hill and I, this is, you know, we're just starting this up and we're trying to get everything figured out. We're definitely rookies at this podcast thing, but, uh, you know, some of the things that, you know, just thinking about how we were going to, you know, lay this out, who we wanted to talk to. And, uh, you know, like I said, first on my mind was Stephen Don. I <laughs> just looking forward to talking to you and getting a little insight from you. And, um, you know, again, I, I love following you on uh, social media. You know, I'm, I'm up here in Washington. I'm a little bit too far away from you, but, uh, yeah. So what is your, uh, what's your Instagram handle? It is huntfit underscore o eight. Okay, huntfit underscore o eight. Yeah, follow him, and he will motivate you. Um, we will have in the show notes uh, other information about Stephen that he wants to share with all of you, um, as well as some of maybe the other things we've talked about where he's at right now and where he's training. And yeah, you're very lucky, and you live in Ashland. You might be able to get into one of his training sessions. There you go. Well, Stephen, thank you. Really appreciate you doing this, Stephen. Absolutely. It was fun. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure, and I'm honored. Thanks so much. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Any comments, ideas, suggestions, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at lampers at stahealthyhunter.com, that's S-T-H, or go to our website at huntharvesthealth.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at stealthyhunter or at dochillery. Feel free to message me as well through Instagram, as uh, I do really enjoy answering any questions related to gear, hunting, uh, food, or you name it. Tag your photos as well if you'd like at Hunt Harvest Health or Get Stealthy as we'd love to see what you guys are up to.